Lord. Thank you, Brother True. Amen. All right. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 25. Exodus, chapter 25. And we'll get to the text here in just a moment. As a matter of fact, uh, go ahead and turn to the book of Leviticus, chapter 24. Might want to do that first and go ahead and mark that at Leviticus, chapter 24. And uh, I was going to read that a little later, but I think I'll just go ahead and read it all together. So Leviticus chapter 24, and then also Exodus chapter 25, that's where we'll start. So we'll start in Exodus 25, and then we'll finish in Exodus 24, or Leviticus 24, that is. And uh, so again, uh, Exodus chapter 25, then Leviticus chapter 24. Amen. It's good to be in the house of God. Appreciate uh, the song again. Uh, Brother True, and uh, all those that sing and play and all those types of things, that's such a blessing. And uh, we've been looking at uh, our series on the patterns of the tabernacle. And uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed preparing these messages and uh, just, uh, they just speak volumes. And, and I hope that they've been a blessing to you and maybe you've been able to be here for each and every one of those. And uh, as I've mentioned a while ago, we see this progression of things going on and, and uh, certainly a lot that we can glean from even in this New Testament age which you and I live in. And we've made mention uh, that the furnishings of the tabernacle, all the things pertaining to the tabernacle, would be sprinkled with the blood of the sacrifice, and some even just on the Day of Atonement each year. And uh, we've already mentioned it in some of our singing, and uh, we talked about it even in our prayer time a while ago, that, you know, that all that we do today, all that we experience, all that we enjoy as believers is only because of the blood. Amen? And what I'm talking about there is that blood that Jesus himself shed from his own body on the cross of Calvary. And we need not ever forget that. You know, without the blood, there is no remission. That means no remission of sin. And so in our message last week, we looked at the altar of incense. And, and we learned a great deal about intercessory prayer. And, but we learned, I kind of finished off, I didn't really get to elaborate on this as much as I wanted to, but we finished off talking about how the, the floor of the tabernacle was just the earth in that area um, uh, of the, the world, the sand, if you will. And so it is that I want you to understand, and this was brought up from some of the uh, uh, discussion during Sunday school, that even though we're on this earth, we can experience holy things. Amen? In other words, as we journey in this earth, and even though we're really in many ways going through a wilderness, right? You know, there's things don't always work out right. Things aren't always going the way we want them to go. But we can know that we can experience wonderful things, even holy things, even while on this earth. Uh, and another great thing to see as well is that uh, in the tabernacle, uh, again, there was no place for the priest to sit down. If you study there, there was no, nowhere to sit down. And I, I just want to remind you, and Brother Billy in his praise uh, report about God's uh, uh, blessing him this and healing him this past week, and Billy was saying that he's, he's excited and he's blessed to know that God still has things for him to do. Amen? Uh, and, and God's people, hey, our work is never done, amen? There's always souls to rescue, there's always souls to save, uh, and our service is never done while on this earth, amen? And uh, so we do praise the Lord for that. So there's some things there that I didn't get to say last week, and I just wanted to get those off my chest because I felt like that was important. Uh, but uh, with all this in mind, though, we come to, to the table of shoe bread. And again, we see some wonderful patterns, certainly for us today. And uh, this table of shewbread, just, just, you know, namely what we're looking at is namely a pattern of our fellowship with the Lord. You know, isn't it wonderful that that one who bestows us with all that grace, the one who shed his blood 
for us some 2,000 years ago, we can have personal fellowship with Him each and every day. Isn't that amazing? And so I praise the Lord for that. And, uh, but we're going to see some other truths as well. So stand with me if you will, if you're physically able. I have several verses to read, so, but it won't take too long. Uh, but stand with me in reverence to the Word of God again if you're able to. Exodus chapter 25, beginning with verse 23, we just find a, a description of the shewbread. Uh, the table of shoe bread, and then we'll look in Leviticus as we kind of look at the bread itself. But look at verse 23, and this again was commanded to Moses when he was on the mount and given to him by the Lord. He says, Thou shalt also make a table of shatim wood, two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, and make there uh, to a crown of gold round about. And this is somewhat familiar from the other furnishings that we looked at. And thou shalt make unto it a border of a handbreadth round about, and thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. And thou shalt make, it for, make for it four rings of gold, and put the rings in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be, the pl be for places of the staves to bear the table. And thou shalt make the staves of shatim wood, and overlay them with gold, that the table may be borne with them." And thou shalt make the dishes thereof, and the spoons thereof. All these things had to do with the shoe bread, the table of shoe bread, and covers thereof, and bowls thereof, to cover with all of pure gold shalt thou make them. And thou shalt set upon the table shoe bread before me alway. And then we kind of hold your place there. We'll probably be back to that. But flip back to Leviticus chapter 25, and we get a description of the shoe bread itself. Leviticus, I'm sorry, Leviticus 24. Verse 5, Leviticus 24, verse 5. It says, And thou shalt take fine flour, and bake twelve cakes thereof. Two tenths deals shall be in one cake. And thou shalt set them in two rows, six on a, uh, on a row, upon the pure table, that is the table of shewbread, before the Lord. And then in verse uh, 7, it says, And thou shalt put pure frankincense. We've talked about frankincense already. Upon each row, that it may be on the bread for a memorial, even an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And finally, verse 9, And it shall be Aaron's and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place, for it is most holy unto him of the offerings of the Lord, made by fire by a perpetual statute. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching of the word of God this morning. And Lord, as I made mention a while ago, I'm sure we all got things on our hearts and on our minds, but if we could just kind of set those things off to the side for a little while. And uh, Father, just focus on the Bible here for a little bit, on what the word of God is showing us and teaching us. Father, we pray that you'll speak to our hearts in a mighty and powerful way. I hope that we all leave here, Father, better than we came in. And I know it's possible, Lord. I know that it can be done uh, because of the Holy Spirit of God. And so, Father, I hope and pray that uh, we'll hear what needs to be said. Lord, if decisions need to be made, that we'll make those decisions. Most of all, Lord, if there's anyone here that's lost that needs to be saved, I pray, dear God, that you would speak to their heart and they would see their need for salvation and come and be saved by the grace of God. Father, we'll thank you for all you're going to do. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. Appreciate you standing for the reading of the Word of God. And so we'll jump right into this and just going to kind of talk a little bit about some things. Uh, some things I'll just make mention of because we've already talked about them once or maybe twice. But we see there that it was made of wood and overlaid with gold. We've kind of talked about that before, the two materials certainly representing not just the humanity of Jesus, but also the divinity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
Christ. But I want to focus on what the table itself represents. I, I was thinking about this t- today. Um, you know, I, I happened, we were talking about the, the different uh, people groups as far as uh, baby boomers and, you know, the different generations they call them. And, and uh, you know, I grew up in a day and age where not only baby boomers, but also that World War II and even before generation. You know, I have, I remember my grandma who I, didn't die until I was a teenager. She was born in the 1800s still. And so, so there was a lot that, that uh, I saw and was, was able to experience. And of course, growing up on a farm and, and between my uh, grandparents' house and even the little house that we grew up in, uh, farmhouses, if you will, uh, I was thinking about this today. And, and if you have one, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I have them or have had them in homes that we've had. But I never knew of a dining room. <laughs> you know, like the special room. I remember I was pretty old the first time I realized that, hey, people actually have an actual room that they go into to eat. That seemed kind of odd to me. And you may say, wow, what a hillbilly. Well, I was. Uh, and, and, but, but, but now I did know about this. I did know about the kitchen table. Amen. All right. And so I knew all about the kitchen table. That's really where, where we didn't only eat, but that's where everybody ended up. Now, we would have a living room, but it never failed, whether it was at my grandma and grandpa's house or our house. If we had company, everybody would be crowded into the kitchen, either sitting or standing around the kitchen table. Amen. I think it was just a cultural thing, uh, but that's just the way it was. And, and so I remember that uh, growing up, and it, you know, not so much anymore. Uh, but uh, again, wh- wherever it was, nobody really sat you know, in the living room, but around the kitchen table. And usually there was coffee being drank and, uh, and, and those types of things, a little food, if you will. But around the table is where folks would, would, would we'd just say visit, amen? Now, we, we look at this from a Bible standpoint. We're really talking about fellowship, all right? And so in many ways, this, this table, in a divine way, uh, in our text, really speaks about fellowship with God. And of course, we see there the bread, and, and often we tie uh, a meal together, you know, as a special time of fellowship with one another. And so during the days of the tabernacle, the priest uh, and God uh, would have communion and fellowship at this table. And I think that's very significant. Uh, and certainly we can easily see how certainly this would bless our hearts and warms our soul. And, but, but I believe the other thing I want us to understand, you know, as human beings, we tend to, to just kind of see it from our side because it's just kind of natural. But what I want you to understand, and I've brought this out several different times in these different messages, we're also looking at it from how God sees it. I think we forget that sometimes. Yes, it ought to warm our heart. It ought to warm our soul to not have only have fellowship with God, but fellowship with one another. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want you to understand it also warms the heart of God. Amen. Amen. I tell you, that, that's real important to, to understand. And so it warms the heart of our Heavenly Father. And again, this is, you know, amazing love, amazing grace. You know, as the song says, that I, a child of hell. Hey, listen, I can commune with God. Uh, and that's all because of His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Not because I've done anything significant or important. It's certainly not because I'm a good person, but simply because I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus says of himself that I am the bread of life. And, and there's several of those I am statements, about seven of them, I think. That's a good study, by the way. Uh, and he says that I am the bread of life. And certainly in him, uh, we ought to be, that is the believer, in him we ought to be well pleased, right? I mean, 
are hopefully we're, we're, we're well pleased with our Savior. I, I would hope that we are. But again, we have to think of God the Father here as well, as I made mention. He would say of His Son in Matthew 3, 17, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, right after Jesus had been baptized. So you see Christ, the, the, the amazing thing about Jesus Christ, as a mediator now, He satisfies both God and man. What an amazing thought that is. So we have fellowship with God. We as human beings can have fellowship with God through the Son. By the way, that's the only way to have fellowship with God is through the Son. But also through the Son, God has fellowship with us. Amen. So it's all about Jesus, right? And so here's a question. I said all that to say this. Here's a question that we have to ask. Is Jesus to you what He is to the Father? Think about that. Let that set in just for a second. I'm not talking about deity. There's certainly things between God the Father and God the Son that are none of our concern. But I want you to understand that's a great question. Is Jesus to you what He is to the Father? That's holy ground right there, by the way. And boy, there's, there's a whole lot of things we could talk about there. So the Father has crowned Him, what? King of all kings, Lord of all lords. Amen? And one of these days, that's going to be expressed when His feet touch on this ground here on earth. But my question to you is, he, God sees Him as King of all kings, Lord of all lords, but do you see Him as the Lord of your life? Amen? Do you see Him as your King this morning? And if you say yes, are you living for Him as He is the Lord of lords and King of kings? Amen? And so it's not so much what we say, but what we do. And so I believe God really, uh, throughout this message, and probably the others as well, is trying to get me to see, trying to get us to see something very powerful here, but to see the Son as God sees Him. And I tell you, uh, that will not only help our fellowship, but it will also help our faithfulness to the things of God if we'll just really let that get a hold of us this morning. Amen. I, I don't have that, but I want it. Amen. I want it, and, and I hope that God will, will give that to me. And uh, so we see there that table. Let's talk about the loaves themselves. And here again, we certainly see a pattern of Christ, namely His, his character as we talk about fine flour, but, but it's the character of Christ. It's, listen, I'm talking to, to believers this morning. It's the character of Christ. It's becoming Christ-like that nourishes us and feeds us. You hear, you hear what I'm saying? I'm not talking about knowing a lot of religious stuff. And we ought to know a lot of religious stuff. We ought to be growing in the Lord. We ought to be uh, having knowledge in, in Scripture and memorizing things. But listen, that won't build your character. The character of Christ is becoming Christ-like. And as we become Christ-like, that's what nourishes us. That's what feeds us. So it stands to reason anything that I neglect... Uh, the Bible, uh, regular church attendance, prayer, other believers. Hey, listen, I'm just telling you, when I neglect those things, I'm neglecting becoming Christ-like, and I will not be fed the way I need to be fed. I will not be nourished the way that I need to be nourished. And I will struggle with the things of God. And I think there's a lot of believers in that, in that category. And so, but we get a little more information about this shoe bread. I had you go to Leviticus 24. And uh, so let's, let's just go ahead and go back to there real quick. Leviticus chapter 24. I'm not going to read it again because I've already read it. But again, we, we find out some information about this shoe bread. A little more information about it as we looked at verses 5 through 9. And we see first there it makes mention that it was fine flour. And that's really saying a lot. And those of you uh, particularly, you know, that's been cooking a long time, probably understand what that means more than most. And as a man, 
Christ lived a perfect life. His, his life was like fine flour. You see, fine flour, uh, you know, uh, that that's been treated right, sifted right, if you will, really is considered faultless. In other words, you can take fine flour meant this. It couldn't be approved, improved on. That flour was as good as it was ever going to get. It couldn't be made better. And certainly that's a pattern of Jesus Christ, amen. Jesus Christ, you know, you can't get better, amen. He's, he, he is God. He can't be improved on. And so even the wicked Pilate would say of Christ, I find no fault in this man. And certainly that's true. There is no, there is no leaven. By the way, fine flour wouldn't have leaven in it. Leaven is corruption. And so everything about the life that is the testimony of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ certainly was like fine flour. And fine flour, as I said, it had no corruption. It had, it had no, no leaven in it. But we also see, too, as we've made mention in some of these points throughout this, this series, that we also sometimes see a pattern for believers today as well. And we think about our life. Now, none of us have arrived, amen? None of us have our glorified bodies yet. Uh, we know there's coming a time in our existence when things will be different in our existence, but nobody's perfect. But even on this side of eternity, as our feet are on this sand that we live in, should not our lives, our testimony, uh, not only before God, but for a lost and dying world, amen? Shouldn't it be like fine flour? Amen? You know, I'm not there, but I want to be. And so, fine flour, what about fine flour? Fine flour, again, we even think about Christ, uh, but fine flour, it's not concerned about circumstances and situations in life. Fine flour always stays fine flour. No matter what's going on around it, fine flour still stays fine flour. Boy, there's where I want to be. I don't know about you, but I let the situations and circumstances and, 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 and uh, you know, just my faults, uh, which are many, boy, just really rob me of a lot of things that God wants to put in my life. But listen, fine flour will never do that. Fine flour is fine flour no matter what's going on. And so I wish I could always be a joyful Christian. I'm not always a joyful Christian. Uh, uh, certainly in adversity. I wish I still had close fellowship with the Lord even when my circumstances aren't what I want. I, I wish I could always say that. But I can't. And I probably imagine everybody understands. But why is it, you know, I'm just preaching to myself, uh, why is it that I tend to be more joyful uh, seemingly more on fire uh, when things are going my way. <laughs> my point is, is, shouldn't I always be like fine flour, right? I mean, God's still on the throne no matter what I'm going through, right? He, he's still the God of heaven. He's still the Savior. Jesus Christ himself on the cross even, nailed to the cross, hung between heaven and earth. He never stopped being fine flour. And uh, I, want, I want to be like that. We notice too, of course, and, and again, for time's sake, we, we're not going to uh, get into some great detail here. Concerning all this, I'd encourage you to study these things out in more detail yourself, but we do know that the shoe bread would be baked. Um, the heat of the fire didn't hurt the fine flour, uh, but it, yet it made it stable. It made it usable, I should say. Jesus Christ, we know for a moment in time, was made a curse for us. Isn't that what Galatians 3.13 teaches us? That for a moment in time he became sin, the sin of the whole world, so much so that the heavenly Father turned his back on him. Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? And so he, listen, for a moment in time that fine flour was made a curse for us. The bread of life, amen, had no... Now he didn't have leaven, he didn't have sin, amen. Uh, he was fine flour, yet he suffered for sin, our sin, my sin. And he withstood really the fiery wrath of God. 
uh, to be used for the intended purpose. And certainly there's some things that we're going to look at uh, ourselves uh, here in just a moment uh, concerning that as we kind of go back to these lows here for just a minute. But again, uh, certainly a great pattern for, for us as well. The flour had to be baked to be of any use, uh, to be used for that purpose. Believer, I just, I just want you to understand, hey, listen, um, if we want to really be used of God, we're going we're gonna to be baked every once in a while. Amen. You know, fine flour, it didn't do its intended purpose until it was cooked. You see what I'm saying? And so sometimes we're going to go through some fiery tri trials ourselves. Sometimes we're going to go through a situation or a circumstance, amen? And we need to continue, even though things may not be going our way, we need to continue to let our testimony shine, not only before God, but before a lost and dying world, amen? I tell you, that's important. And so again, we see some patterns for us. We, you know, we can't, I, I believe this, we're, we'll never do, we might do some things for God, but we'll never do great things for God without fiery trials. You'll never do them uh, as you study the Bible. So fine flour, the Christian, listen, had to be baked to be used for its intended purpose. And certainly that's true for us today. So let's talk about these loaves some more. Number three, we notice that the Bible says that there were 12 loaves. And, of course, most would quickly probably understand that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. In other words, all of God's people, the Jewish nation, if you will. Now, all these people were Jews. They were all from the seed of Abraham. But just like today, we have a small crowd, and, but, but there's a lot of different uh, people here. In other words, we're all different in many ways. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different life experiences, those types of things, different personalities, different talents, different abilities, and such. And no doubt it was that way with those three million-plus Jews probably at that time uh, for the children of Israel. Yeah, they were all Israel, but they were different, amen? They were different. And praise the Lord, we're not all the same, right? But the point is, is when we look at that table of shoe bread and those 12 loaves all together in that holy place, in the eyes of God, they were all one people. I think that's wonderful. They were all dependent upon God, all loved by God. In Galatians 3, we made mention of Galatians 3, but it says in verse 27 through 28, For as many of you has been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. We're talking about being saved and being yielded to the Holy Ghost. The Bible says there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female. Ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And this tells us, as the Bible tells us in other places, that, that God is no respecter of persons when it comes to worth. Amen? Doesn't matter where you're born, doesn't matter if you're male or you're female, uh, doesn't matter your social or economic background. Hey listen, if you're, hey listen, when you belong to God, you're important to God. And he sees us all the same as far as, as worth. And, 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 you know, he died for you as much as he died for anybody. He doesn't, God doesn't love you any less than he loves anybody. Amen. And so no matter what tribe, those different tribes that were represented, no matter what tribe they came from, they were all united uh, with God, that is. That's what's seen in the table of shoe bread. Now, we believe, certainly, uh, some of you might be thinking, now, preacher, easy, you know. Uh, are you talking about the invisible church? Oh, no, absolutely not. I, anybody that's heard me preach knows I don't believe in that, right? The universal church. Uh, we believe in this dispensation in which you and I live in. We believe in the autonomy, amen, of the local New Testament church, right? We're not, we're not talking against that. 
Uh, this is the dispensation in which we live today. That's how God is winning the lost, is through local New Testament churches. But we all need to remember that God is no respecter of persons. Amen? Uh, and, and I praise the Lord for that. I praise the Lord for that. Uh, we're all different. Churches are different. Countries are different. The list goes on. But yet, I, I do want to look at this as a, as a church body for just a moment, uh, which certainly the body, when I'm talking about the, the church body, what is the church body, the local New Testament church body? And we've learned that it's considered the body of Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. Christ is the head of each local New Testament church. Christ is the head of Central Calvary Baptist Church. And we as members, we make up the body of Christ. Amen? We're not all, not everybody's a hand, not everybody's a foot, not everybody's an eye, but we all make up the body of Christ. So this means we're not only members of Christ, but really we're members of one another. I can't be what I need to be without the rest of the body. Amen? So this is important. And those 12 loaves, when I think about that, they were literally together. And I believe to be a New Testament church, we need to be literally together, amen? Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves as the manner of some is. 1 Corinthians 12, 14-21, Paul explains, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? <laughs> no, it's, it's part of the body. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And the answer to that is no. No, it's part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, <laughs> where were the hearing? If the whole he were hearing, where is the smelling? And we, we see this, just practical sense, right? And remember, he's talking about a church body being compared to a human body. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Not everybody's a hand, not everybody's a foot, right? We're all different. But he said in there as it pleased him. Not how it pleases us, but how it pleases him. Amen. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. Praise the Lord. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. <laughs> you know, the hand can't say, well, I'm going to leave the body. I, you know, I, don't, I, I, I can do my own thing. That's impossible. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And so there's a great teaching there, a great, uh, really, word picture to be, to be a useful member of Christ. And I hope that we all want to be a useful member of Christ in this church age in which you and I live. We must also be a member of His body. That is the local New Testament church. And all of God's people said, so let's carry on with this thought, and then I'll quit picking on you about the church. The loaves also were renewed, as we read there, every Sabbath day. Oh, you know, today we worship God on, on Resurrection Sunday. I know we like to celebrate Easter and emphasize the death, burial, and resurrection, certainly the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nothing wrong with that, but really every day is Resurrection Sunday, amen? And that means every Sunday, amen, the first of the week. And I just, you know, sometimes, and hey, I've been there, sometimes Christians, we get stale, don't we? Amen. And the reason for that are many, but sometimes uh, Christians get stale because they're not refreshed each week. <laughs> Amen. They, they need fresh bread. Uh, you know, and really I believe we need more than one day of refreshing. Amen. <laughs> Again, uh, uh, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves uh, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And the Bible goes on to say, and so much the more. 
as you see the day approaching. What's he talking about there? The closer it gets to the return of Christ, the more we ought to be going to church, not the less, right? Amen. We ought to be going to church more than the first century church was. <laughs> Amen. So we've looked at the table. I'll move on. So we've looked at the table, the loaves being made with fine flour. We've talked about there being 12 loaves. We've made some connection with the church. And then finally, the frankincense. Now we're told that frankincense was put on top of these loaves. And, and uh, I, my mom, she used to make homemade bread. Uh, and she always usually did it in the winter. We had a wood stove that heated the little house we was in. And, and uh, she had gotten these little bread pans about that big. And, and I don't know where she got them all, but she had a bunch of them. And uh, she would, you know, I don't know anything about making bread, but, but now she used the yeast and all that. And, and, and uh, she would have them things sitting all around that wood stove with a wet dish towel over it. And, and you had to be careful, not slam the doors. And, you know, with five kids, you know, that was kind of difficult. So we were getting hollered at a lot. Uh, but, man, that was good. But I remember when she was cooking it, how good it smelled. Okay. Now, I haven't been around unleavened bread much, but I love the smell of baking bread. But, but they tell us that the odor of purifying flour, in other words, without leaven, it really doesn't have a lot of odor to it. Uh, that's what I've been told. And so here's my point as we make some application. We, we might live a pretty good life, and I hope that you do. But without frankincense, without the righteousness of Christ, amen, without, without the merits of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, without the blood... <laughs> Our, our works will have no fragrance to them. They will not be well-pleasing unto the Lord without our Savior, amen, and uh, no frankincense. So you see, it's not really uh, goodness on our own that, that, you know, in other words, let me explain. It's not really goodness that God desires to see in us. You say, now wait a minute, preacher. What do you mean God doesn't want to see goodness in us? Well, He wants to see goodness in, it, but it has to, in us, but it has to come by a certain way. So it's not really goodness that God desires to see in us. By the way, I have no goodness. Amen. The best thing I can do is filthy rags, right? Yeah, I mean, hey, so, so it's not... I, <laughs> hey, listen, when it comes to goodness that God deserves, it's not in any of us this morning, saved or lost. And so it's not really goodness that God desires to see in us. Listen, it is divine worthiness. Amen. And that only comes through the Son. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for the grace of God this morning. Amen. Woo! I like that. That's good stuff. Divine worthiness. And that divine worthiness, because it, that, that is in me, that is my flesh, the Bible says, dwelleth no good thing. But when I'm saved... God sees that frankincense, amen, of divine worthiness. He sees His Son. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. Amen. I'll, I'll shout for you, okay? Uh, amen. That's good stuff. And that is a, you know, hey, listen, I, I, I just, uh, this just fascinates me because I know how I really am. And this is a fragrance coming from fine flour, that the Bible says that the Lord is well pleased with. But it's all that divine worthiness because of Jesus Christ. And of course, one who possesses divine 
worthiness, though. I, you know, I'm not taking away from works. James says, I will do thee by faith by my works. You know, we're not throwing works out the door here. But it's a result of understanding that divine worthiness. Not to be saved or to stay saved, but because I'm saved, I will show my faith by my works. When yielded to God, we'll have good works that please God. We can do those things, as tells us in 1 John 3, that are pleasing in His sight, but not without the frankincense. It has to be the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm almost done. Again, I want to challenge you with a question. How is your fellowship with the Lord? Amen? Let me just say, I, I want mine to do better. I want mine to be better. You know, sometimes out talking to people and witnessing to people, uh, some will say along these lines, I, I have a strong relationship with the Lord. And basically they'll tell me that I don't need organized religion. I don't need a church family. I can have a strong relationship with the Lord without all of that. But I believe this message and many of the others shows that that cannot be right. It cannot be right. I, hey, I'm not trying to question your love for the Lord. Uh, you know, I can't gauge anybody's heart and what they think. I, I'm not a discerner of those types of things. But I just know what the Bible teaches. Amen? And, and, and listen, that, that God, Jesus Christ, died for the church. The Bible makes, makes a big deal out of church. Amen? And I believe we should too. So I believe if we love what God loves, we will certainly, if we love the head of the body, we have to love the body as well. Amen. That's why I don't believe in this universal church teaching that's out there. It's dangerous. So we know that can't be right. When we de-emphasize fellowship with one another outside of providential hindrances, I'm just telling you it de-emphasizes fellowship with God. Amen. The table of shoe bread really teaches us a great deal, but, but it really teaches us that as well. Uh, but, but listen, if we, when we understand not only just fellowship with God, but fellowship with one another on a regular basis, listen, it teaches us that this brings a lot of joy to the soul. Amen. God and the church family. Hey, listen, struggling believer, you, you need God, but you need the church family too. Amen. That's important. None of us can get by on our own. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians, when they're going through a hard time, they tend to pull away from the church family. I've never understood that. When the time they need them the most. I was going to skip this, but I'm going to go ahead and share it with you, but it's getting a little late. But I've heard this story in many different ways, and I don't know if it's a true story or not, but it's a great story. And it's a story uh, that I heard the first time from a preacher uh, right after I'd been saved during a revival many years ago, Richard Adams. And he talked about how there was a man who, who was saved and, and uh, was truly a Christian and for whatever reason uh, began to disobey, Hebrews 10.25, began to forsake the assembling of himself, and, and that is with the church family. And, and sooner or later, a friend went to see him, and he knocked on the door, and he said, come on in. And he found his struggling brother sitting at a fireplace. And the visitor went over, and he began to talk to the backslidden believer. And as he talked, he took a poker, and I don't know what it is, but us men, we just like to poke at the fire for some reason, and... He's poking at the fire, and, and pretty soon he reaches in and he drags out a burning hot coal. That thing was glowing. And then pretty soon the coal went from orange to red and finally to black, and it got so cool that, that the, the visitor actually picked it up and held it in his hand. 
It got so cold, got so cool. And certainly the backslidden man knew the meaning of it. He, he knew why he had grown cold. And the visitor, when he got ready to leave, he took the hot coal and he threw it back into the fire. That is, he threw it back into the other hot coals. And the sad man, he watched as that cold piece of wood began to glow again. And the meaning's clear. He needed his church family. He needed his church family. What a great illustration. But yet, a lot of people don't understand that. They're not taking advantage of that. The table of shoe bread, fellowship. Listen, it's set each Sunday and Wednesday, as far as that goes. It's a shame that some people have just, for no reason, just other, I'm not doing Wednesday night church. I don't, I don't understand that. But I want to encourage you to make a commitment to the Lord. Hey, listen, if I was asked you to raise your hand, I'm sure all of us would raise our hand, even those that, that aren't members, but I hope you come to be one. But, but I think we'd all raise our hand today and say, I want to see great things from Central Calvary Baptist Church. Hey, man, I do too. And I think we're already seeing some great things. There are many things about us, uh, though, as a church family, that would determine that. Many things, not just one. But I do believe one is regular church attendance from each individual. Outside of providential hindrances, I believe that God will bless our church according to that and other things. And maybe you're here today. As I've mentioned before, sometimes we want to we skip the brazen altar. We don't want to get right with God. We want to skip the laver. Remember the teaching of the laver, the washing of the word? Amen. We want to skip all the things that God puts in front of us. And we want to jump into a well-meaning fellowship with God, and we tend to struggle. Let me just say that if you haven't been to the brazen altar, in other words, if you haven't been saved yet, if you haven't been forgiven of your sins, you cannot and God will not have fellowship with you. Amen. Because you are in enmity with God. You have rejected His Son. Amen. Doesn't mean He doesn't love you. Doesn't mean He hasn't died for you. But it's only through the Son. Amen. So you need to go to the brazen altar. That's where the sacrifice was made. That's where Jesus died for your sin. There's where you find forgiveness, amen, and you have a relationship with the Lord. And if you've been to the brazen altar, have you been to the laver? Have you had the washing of the water of the Word? Uh, have, have, have you, have, are you yielding to the Holy Spirit of God? Are you letting the Holy Spirit of God dwell in you? Are you yielded to the Holy Spirit of God? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Hey, man, if we're going to, if we're going to obey God, hey, listen, we can't even go into the holy place. We can't even get to the altar of incense. We can't even get to the shoe bread till we spend some time at the laver. Amen. We don't get cleaned up to be saved, do we? But we got to get cleaned up to serve, right? Amen. That's what that teaches us. If you remember some of those messages. So maybe you need to be saved today. But maybe you are saved. Uh, but again, maybe, maybe it's been a while since you've been to the laver. How, you know, we could even talk about our prayer times we did last week. All I know is this, is that God has brought every individual heart in here today for a reason. There was a specific reason why you are here. Amen. And God wants to do something in your life. He wants you to leave here better than when you came in. He wants you to leave here closer to Him than when you came in. Amen. Amen. How about it? Will we let him do that? I, ho I hope we will. Amen. So let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And Brother Brad's going to get us.